Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. My guest today is Rachel Deloach-Williams, Vanity Fair photography editor and now author of My Friend Anna, the true story of the fake heiress of New York City. It's one of Time Magazine's must-read books of 2019 and it's the true story of Anna Delvey, the scammer you might have read about in the news, the fake heiress whose deceit and elaborate con artistry deceived the Soho New York media scene before her lies were dramatically exposed. This is Rachel's story, friend of Anna Delvey, who is still dealing with the consequences of being so betrayed by such a close friend. The pair first met through mutual friends and became inseparable. And after Anna's debit card was declined on a holiday in Morocco in a five-star hotel, Rachel began to suspect that something wasn't quite right and the truth started to slowly come out surrounding her increasingly mysterious friend. This book has been called Catch Me If You Can meets Gossip Girl with Instagram filters and it's a really interesting read but it's hard to put aside the fact that real people were really hurt and affected by this story. Between Anna Delvey, Fire Festival's Billy McFarlane and also Elizabeth Holmes, it seems to have been the year of the scammer. We recorded this one in New York and it was really great to meet Rachel in person. I hope you enjoy this interview with Rachel and if you enjoyed it or found it interesting, please do leave a rating or a review and I look forward to hearing from you. So your book has been read by a lot of my friends. I've been reading it like everyone's talking about it. Everyone was talking about it at the time when the Anna Delvey notorious NYC scammer story came out. Um, We get to see it unravel from like a stranger objective, but you were really good friends with Anna, who is now in jail. jail. I just wanted to go like right back to the beginning before we kind of talk about it, because um, I just wondered a bit more about your background, like how you guys met and like the early days of your friendship. Uh, my background, I'm originally from Knoxville, Tennessee. I went to school at a liberal arts school in Ohio, interned in New York, living with my grandma over the summers, and then moved here right after college, got my dream job um, through a combination of really hard work and dumb luck. And then I'd been working at Vanity Fair in the photo department for six years when I met Anna. And I was just out one night with friends getting drinks um, downtown Um, It wasn't an exceptional evening, really, except that I was just introduced to this new member of the group who kind of appeared recently. I'd seen her in photos with some of the girls I knew and and been curious about her because I saw that she had over 40,000 Instagram followers, which kind of piqued my curiosity because I couldn't quite tell why or where she came from. So I, I was curious, and then she arrived, and I met her, and she seemed... Like cheerful, nice, kind of talkative. She had a weird accent I couldn't really place. And that's how it began. So interesting because I, I wonder, is New York quite um, like a sociable place in terms of people seem to be out a lot and like going yeah. for dinners a lot and socializing a lot. Like I've only been here for a week, but actually I like feel more popular here because everyone <laughs> wants to hang out. Whereas I don't think it's me. I just think people are out and about. Whereas in London, it's yeah. quite, I don't know, there's not an, like as much going on every night, I don't think. Oh, it might just be because you're not used to oh, being, who and, knows. And but, maybe I don't have my like sofa to lie on yeah, here. Yeah, there's that. Well, I do think everybody here has fairly small apartments. So there's something to be said for getting out. But New York is 
also just very compact. So I feel like it's easier to probably get around. And, and I feel like this is a place where oftentimes people have different groups or different friends they like to see um, at different times. Um, it, it is hard, I think, to pin people down to commit to plans because mm-hmm. people here tend to work really long, hard hours and then, you know, not know if they're going to be up for committing to a dinner or something, which is part of, I think, why the friendship with Anna happened is because she lived really close to mm-hmm. me and she was always available and texting me, which was great. I liked her, but it, I think had she lived somewhere further away, it might have been a little bit less of a fast friendship. Yeah. There was something yeah. that went viral on Twitter the other day. It was like London millennial culture. And then it was a friend on a WhatsApp group being like, are you free in 2022? Yes. Like for a drink. Well, so true. Sake. Maybe part of that's also like uh, upper 20s to 30s, people are a little less gung-ho about getting out. But. Yeah. Because I guess you and Anna right at that time were quite young. Um. Well, I was 29. She was three years younger than me, but yeah. I had... I think I, I mean, I, I know <laughs> I had just come out of a long-term relationship and I was newly single. A lot of my friends were married or had left the city or living in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. which is like a little harder to, um, to see them as frequently. So, so she, she was part of our group in, in 2016, like that February for a few months, but I didn't know her very well one-on-one. Then she left cause she wasn't a U.S. citizen and I didn't give it much thought. She wasn't, you know, close to me, but then she came back one year later in February of 2017. And at that point, checked into this trendy hotel called 11 Howard in Soho, which is like a 10-minute walk from my apartment. And that's when we became close friends. Um, So she reappeared at the perfect time. I was so happy to have this new friend who was interested in going out with me. It was February, kind of coming out of that like winter hibernation funk and like, you know, someone who wants to have dinner and work out. And like, it just was so easy. And I think that really taps into um, actually quite a relatable thing, which I know I've had where I have a new female friend and I get like swept up in it. And it's like a whirlwind romance. Totally. And I'm, we're like obsessed with each other, but actually those friendships, they don't really last. No, they like fizzle up and burn. I mean, that said, like our close friendship was a little bit over two months. It just happened that this terrible thing happened on the tail end of it that then I was like stepping into quicksand. It took up two two years of my life following mm. those two months of close kind of frivolous friendship. It's crazy. Um, yeah. So for the listeners who might not be up to date with them, with what happened at the time, I was like glued to the, the New York Times, like <laughs> reviews and profiles coming out about it. But um. It's hard to sum up, isn't it, very quickly, but she basically was quite a genius scammer and the fact that she almost got like $22 million of a loan and over time like scammed her friends yeah. and many banks out of thousands and yeah. even millions. Could you just sum it up in a bit of a nutshell, like nutshell. how she did it? Anna, oh God. <laughs> well, she came to New York um, and assumed this identity that was Anna Delvey And she pretended to have come from family money, said she had a trust fund, was in New York because she was working on the creation of this art foundation, the Anna Delvey Foundation, which she described as this kind of multidisciplinary space that would have a members-only club and art galleries and restaurants and a bar. I mean, it was very grand. It was very thoroughly thought out. She had a presentation deck she'd gotten from this London graphic designer, actually, who, of course, never got paid. And she was taking business meetings with serious you know, restaurant professionals, investment professionals, bankers, lawyers. She was very close to getting 
I think it was like 22 to $25 million from a hedge fund because she had falsified these bank documents showing she had 60 million euros in overseas accounts. And so, and then, I mean, she was, she was very good. I think the fact that she could fool these institutions that have systems in place to prevent fraud, you know, like it's little wonder that in the social setting when she's telling everybody the same story that we believed her because how do you know anybody really yeah I mean reading the book as well you kind of think well this this had to be like a mastermind operation because so many people fell for it yeah I mean she she was definitely good at playing the character she was playing and I think New York is kind of special in the sense that it's filled with all kinds of different personalities and people who have more money or less money than you. It's not unusual to have kind of an eclectic friend group. And I worked at Vanity Fair where I was also used to, to, you know, meeting people who had these grand plans or came from very different backgrounds than me or were complex kind of uh, personalities to Mm -hmm. begin with. So she wasn't that unusual, except that, of course, it was all a lie. Did you ever have that moment, though, of like, this is too good to be true. Like, I know that you went to Morocco, was it? And then she, you kind of got scammed yourself. Yeah. Oh, I wish. I wish I had that too good to be true moment. Um, You know, yes, she was a generous friend. She was nice. She would, like, she always, she rarely wanted to leave her hotel. So a lot of our friendship was me stopping by to see her on my way to or from work, whether to work out or just to come by for drinks or dinner. And she insisted on on charging everything to her room within the hotel, which was extremely generous. I, you know, I, I didn't take that lightly. She also knew exactly how much money I made. And she was very convincing about the fact that she came from this wealth and she made it seem so easy and like she was glad to do it. I didn't really think that much of it, except that I was grateful. I, I think if she had been a man, I might have thought she had ulterior motives or questioned sort of the structure of our our relationship differently. But because she was a female friend, it didn't strike me as something that was that alarming. Mm. And it wasn't like she was introducing me. I think there's a bit of a misconception in some of the media coverage, like we were out at parties and, you know, she swept me up into the circle of New York elite power players, blah, blah, blah. Like we never went to a party together. Mm. We didn't go shopping. We didn't go out even we really just stayed in and had dinner so yeah because there's that like kind of undertone in some of the pieces of like social climbing each other totally it's like been hard for me for a while I just kind of let that happen because I it's hard to be assertive and to sort of defend yourself in this way like it still feels weird to me but the reality is Anna was much more interested in my world than I was in hers. I just liked her. Mm-hmm. And she sort of appealed to this big sister impulse in me. You know, she'd ask for my advice, be it socially or with like her business plans. She'd show me logos and ask for my input or talk about things she wanted to do with this foundation space. And I just enjoyed her company. Mm-hmm. Um, so the two good to be true, though, I, I'd say the Morocco trip evolved into that. But it certainly didn't start there. It, it obviously seemed plausible enough. I I went. <laughs> yeah. And so did you manage to like take her to court on the money she owed you or? Oh yeah. So the way it unfolded is um, for those who don't know. So she, Anna lived full time in hotels in New York as well. And when she needed to leave the country to reset her visa, she decided we should go somewhere warm rather, rather than her going home. She wanted to, she, she said she wanted to do something more productive. So she had this idea to do a documentary about the creation of her art foundation, which I Yes, like I understand going to Morocco doesn't make any sense for that. But, you know, who was I to question how she wanted to like structure this vacation or spend her money? Like, fine, it was fun. It didn't seem that weighty. So she's like, we should go to La Mamounia. I've rented a villa. Who should we invite? 
So she invites the personal trainer. She invites a videographer. And then even up until the time we're leaving, she's trying to think of who else to invite. You know, I now realize because she knew she was never going to be the one to pay for it. But um, so we, we go on this trip and it starts out okay, kind of, except there are already issues with her cards not working. And I start fronting costs, which... At first, it was like, you know, the flights weren't booked the day we were supposed to leave. And I think because I was a, am a photo producer, I was used to having people with, com, you know, complicated schedules and like shifting last minute stuff. Yeah, It didn't strike me as alarming as it might to someone who didn't know that world. So I kind of was able to rationalize it in a way that maybe somebody else couldn't have. But I, you know, so I, I was trying to help her. I was like, wow, can I make it easier for you? You know, I do logistics all the time. So she's like, well, I'm stuck in meetings. Can you help me finalize the booking? And she gives me a card that doesn't work to book the the flights. And I'm like, well, you need to call your bank. And she's like, I can't. So, of course, I use my card and she promises to pay me back the following week. And that's before we even leave New York. That's Mm -hmm. how it starts. But I think once you've committed to one thing, it's easier when she then asks, like, oh, can you cover this? My card's still not working. I already owe you money. So it starts. And she'd been so generous before. Right. And like, and she's inviting me on this vacation. So of course I want to help however I can. You know, it's, it seems a small favor to ask because it was, I mean, it was a lot of money to me, but it, it's not what it ended up happening, which, you know, unfolded slightly differently. Um, over the course of the week in Marrakesh, it became clear there was an issue with the billing for our stay at the hotel, which uh, like, she was very good at coming up with like excuses as to why it was happening. And I didn't question that she was who she said she was at that point. But on my last full day in Marrakesh, I woke up and there, you know, it was the perfect storm. It's the first chapter of my book. It, like it's a very, mm-hmm. just is a disaster of a day. Um, but I woke up and there are these two managers in the villa that basically weren't going to leave without a credit card. And I got pressured to put mine down for what I was told would be a temporary hold. You know, the, the oh, thing yeah. that should have been on file when we checked in, which of course wasn't. And then I was told that the final bill would be settled when she checked out. I was leaving before Anna. So I, you know, it never occurred to me that this was going to be how it stayed. Mm-hmm. Um, but And you co- got the money back? Well, it took a long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I left, Anna owed me $62,000. And what followed, it wasn't like she just disappeared. It was, it, she strung me along for over two months. So it was by far the hardest period of my life mm-hmm. every day, you know, having to chase her. She came up with excuse after excuse, fake wire confirmation numbers. I'm meanwhile, you know, getting mm-hmm. calls from American Express, having panic attacks. Um, I didn't tell my family because I, I didn't have the energy, like, it was hard enough to get through every day. I didn't want to like freak my mom and my dad out. They would have mm-hmm. like sold our house. Like, I don't know. It, it, it took a long time. Um, then I went to lawyers who were very patronizing and it's, it's complicated, mm-hmm. but I had to kind of rule that out because she wasn't a citizen. She could leave the country and then my expenses would exceed the debt. Then I went to the police and they were like, well, since it didn't happen in, um, like in you, in America, like there's nothing we can do to help you. But with your face, you could start a GoFundMe page to get your money back is what I was told. Which, yeah. So I, and finally, after this, like, terrible confrontation with the trainer came and brought a friend and we sat down with Anna and just tried to get some truth because she was just – everything was falling apart. Um, but seeing her react in real time with this sort of complete disconnect and not a normal emotional response to the situation and excuse after excuse, just really good at deflecting mm-hmm. questions – the day after that, I went to the New York District Attorney's office, and I was like, "I think this girl's a con artist. I have lots of information to share, and and I hope I can I meet with you." And, and it's I, like yeah. psychopathic tendencies. Oh, for sure. I mean, I 
I knew that in theory, but I'd never met somebody like that before. So, mm. you know, it took a long time for me to accept that somebody I thought I had known just completely lacked that sort of chip that would allow her, her to understand what another human is, is feeling or, or how her actions affect others. Absolutely. And yeah. like reading the book, I actually found those bits like kind of the hardest to read when when you're trying to get hold of her or the communication is yeah. it, you're like we all know like not to this level yeah. maybe but we all know how it feels to like have that anxiety of like what what why is this person now ghosting me and like what's going on and yeah. you had all this stuff to deal with but just talking about you for a minute so did you get approached to write the book or did you pitch out the book like what was your motivation to write it because I feel yeah. like it's quite bold isn't it to be like I'm actually gonna do this and I kind of don't care about the consequences with my this friend who was oh. no longer my friend well we we had been through so much by that point um so long story short I ended up working with the police and I was arrested I had to testify in the trial against her so at that point it was like the story and my narrative were coming out kind of with or without me um, I guess even before that I wrote an article for Vanity Fair and I was an infamous, also an article in New York Magazine that had come out. So I, I was actually contacted by the writer for the New York Magazine story. And when she contacted me, before that, I had really like kind of gone dark. I was lying very low because I was so destabilized by the entire experience. I was really focusing on just like being emotionally okay and trying to figure out the financial side of things, which... I was taking loans. I was just trying to see how see how I could get through it. So when I knew the story was coming out after having felt, I think, so powerless through the experience with Anna, it seemed like a way of sort of re-exerting my control over the situation mm -hmm. and sort of owning my own narrative. Um, so I wrote an article. And then from the article was approached by someone who actually was a former colleague of mine from Vanity Fair who became my editor at Simon & Schuster. So I was really, really grateful to be with someone I trusted. And I think seeing people react to the story without having my, or what they thought the story was, without having the full picture of what I had been through was kind of, I mean, it was really hard for me. You know, I, 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 didn't, I felt misunderstood. Yes. Because uh, my yeah. first thought, and I don't, I don't know if this is like where my brain goes, but in a way I was like, well, maybe the friend should write the book for like financial compensation. Yeah. I don't I, know if like if financially it was a motive to be like, I'm going to write the book and then hopefully that will actually go towards getting yeah. out of this mess. I mean, no, I think really I wrote it to be okay. Like it was majorly cathartic for me to, to process my own thoughts mm -hmm. and feelings in, in that format. You know, that said, I did use the money to repay my loans and it, it took two years, but two years later, American Express also did protect me from the hotel charges um, after a lot of back and forth and hard work, but I'm very mm. grateful for that. But the book certainly did, um, before before Amex protected me, help me repay the loans I'd had to take for sure. Yeah. Has things changed in terms of um, kind of like trusting people? Because I sometimes wonder, I think most people wonder like if they're a good judge of character. Like, mm -hmm. I've been burnt in the past and on, on a very much smaller scale by someone I thought was great on the surface and, and wasn't. And I just, I wonder if like yeah. you've kind of worked through that and you're like, actually, I can't let this stop me from going into a new female friendship, for example. Yeah, I, I actively tried to have it not actually shake my ability to trust people or my you know natural desire to see the best in other people but I think it's also important to you know when someone's showing you who they are to believe and believe them through their mm -hmm. actions not necessarily their words um and and one of the things that I take away is is how 
often I think I was making excuses for Anna repeatedly. And I think in a relationship, that's a good sign that you should step back. And I think it's really important to set clear boundaries. A lot of this happened because I was so naturally, I Mm. guess, a people pleaser. And I was kind of just, I got walked all over. I I certainly tried to be more assertive and to take up my own space a little more fully moving forward. That's great. It's easier said than uh, done. Yeah, yeah. totally. Because there's actually such an empowering feeling when you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And also learning... It's hard. I'm not sorry that I, you know, trusted her. I'm not sorry I tried to help a friend, like, as terribly as it turned out. But what I'm sorry for is, like, you got to know your limits, you know. You got to set those boundaries and and stick to them. So, Mm, yes. That said, I got really boxed into a really terrible situation in Marrakesh. So I didn't see an alternative. Mm. Yeah. But it's in the book, like, you do see that progression and you do see things happen over time. And it's not like... You know, I think some people would be like, well, I would never do that. Mm -hmm. I would never be so silly. And it's like, you weren't in the situation. Well, my reaction to that is I hope you're right. You know, (laughs) uh, Godspeed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I probably would have said the same thing. You know, I'm not a like frivolous person. I don't go out every night. I'm not like, I I worked really hard. I had a job I loved. I I wasn't looking for some weird ticket out through Anna Delvey. Like she, I mean, she was, even when she was my friend, I would have told you she was a mess. She was Mm. kind of scatterbrained, but she was funny. She was entertaining. I liked her, you know, I liked her, but it wasn't, yeah, like I was good. I was good in my life. I like, I loved it. I still love it, but it, you know, this is never something I would have chosen. Yes, totally. So I read in the New York Times, I think a few months ago that she announced that she's like writing two books when Mm -hmm. she comes out. Is that true? Do you think? Do you think that that's like, how do you feel about that? Um, well, writing a book is hard. I, you know, who knows? She said she was writing one about her time as Anna Delvey in New York and one about her time in jail. And wow. I know she's not legally allowed to profit from her crime, so I'm not sure what she's going to talk right. about. I was going to ask about that because I was like, it doesn't seem right um, for someone to be kind of like then glorified and glamorized through oh, books. Yeah. It should be labeled as fiction, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess this person has taken up so much of my time and attention. I, I try not to think too much about it these mm-hmm. days. Because it feels like it's really popular at the moment, like this scamming, yeah. like the Fire Festival documentary and, um, you know, certain Instagrammers who are like scamming their followers. And yeah. as someone who's actually been through something like really quite traumatic, do you think that's a bit weird that it's like kind of a trend um, at the moment? Yeah. I mean, yes, it's definitely weird. I understand it. I think it's entertaining. It's rare to see a sociopath with that kind of gall in a young female form taking on, you know, hedge funds and banks. But I do think people are projecting something onto the story that is not actually what happened. You know, she wasn't just conning wealthy people. You know, they're like, I, I was living paycheck to paycheck. It's not, it's not a victimless crime. And I think looking at just the headlines kind of dismisses the, the nuance of, of what that actually is and, and the people that are hurt along the way. Totally. Yeah. So I, I mean, I googled it even just last night to see like the most recent stuff and I think there's a film coming out, maybe or yeah, yeah. the The New York Magazine story was optioned by Netflix and Anna's Life Rights, I think, are with them. And then HBO has optioned my story with right. Lena Dunham. With Lena Dunham, yeah, yeah, which is very exciting and very surreal. That's really, really exciting because, yeah, like you said, your side of things, like that means something. That's a story in itself. 
I mean, it certainly felt like that having lived through it. I worked so hard to find my way out of this, both just, you know, with Anna and then the trial, but then writing the book and, and figuring out what this means, like the entertainment world and all of that. Like, that's not not work. That was really hard. So I'm very proud to have kind of stuck it out and, and sort of like, you know, I'm so grateful to my support systems, like my family and my friends to like keep me like happy and healthy. But um, yeah, I'm proud to have taken something that was so hard and negative and made it into something that now feels more positive. Totally. Although I really look forward to also moving on. Yes. Yeah. Well, on yeah. that note, I know the book came out a few months ago now and you've probably been doing a lot of interviews. So yeah. I've probably asked you a few questions you've answered That's quite a okay. few times. Obviously, you do have the HBO thing, but yeah. What are you doing next to like move on from it? Yeah, I was at Vanity Fair for eight and a half years. I actually got laid off in February of this year, completely unrelatedly, just because publishing, I think, has changed so much. My job didn't exist, whatever. But it was actually, you know, in some ways a godsend because the book was due the following month. I just had a lot on my plate doing it, you know, went through this whole thing while, while holding down my full time job. But having been there for so long, I really felt like that was a very solid first professional chapter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the book, the the media stuff is is a, like kind of a full-time thing for a bit too. So now I've, I'm trying to allow myself to have just a second to catch my breath before I dive back in. But I've been doing some freelance photo production and like a little bit of freelance writing. I, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited to have this time and I'm excited to dive back into something soon. That's great. Yeah. I'm so glad you have this time to kind of you know, the break in between because the book yeah. like promo can be quite yeah. um, intense, can't it? Yeah. You know, yes, but I'm also very grateful all the, for all the like conversations I've been able to have. You know, it's lovely to meet someone like you. I feel very honored. So I, and like going to places like the BBC or CNN, like I wouldn't have had that opportunity. And it's, you know, I just tried to absorb as much as I could and to learn as much as I could. So I, I've certainly like you know, I don't want to say enjoyed feels weird considering the circumstances, but it's been eye-opening and, mm-hmm. and I'm really grateful to have been able to do it. Yeah. Oh, I'm really glad that you're able to enjoy bits of it because, yeah, it'd be a shame if it's like all overshadowed by what happened. And actually, yeah. this is probably a really good springboard for like whatever you do want to do in the future. So yeah, I'll, I'll never be glad this happened. Um, but I'm also very grateful for the opportunities I do have. And I don't take that lightly. I think that's part of the motivation, you know, I, yeah. I you know, had this happened to someone who didn't have, you know, a healthy support system or, or have the, you know, mm-hmm. resources in terms of being trusted and stuff that I had, it might have been harder. Maybe that's why I felt, you know, sort of this responsibility to speak up. Yes. Well, that's of, a very kind good of point. Wish somebody would have said something to me before I became close friends with Anna, but yeah, that's the way these sorts of crimes work, right? People get embarrassed. Totally. Um, well, thank you so much. And just lastly, my last question yeah. is, um, what are you looking forward to that's coming up? And it doesn't have to be work related. It can be anything. Oh, that is quite a question. Um, well, hmm. I love fall in New York. So I'm excited for that. I don't know when this will come out, if that will be relevant. I've found that walking around yeah. and seeing like pumpkins on the steps yeah. and like that orange light. It's been so long since I you know, had the time to not reporting to an office every day that I've just really enjoyed being outside mm-hmm. as much as possible. So I'm excited for the change in the seasons. Yeah. How about that? No, that's lovely. <laughs> um, well, thank you so, so much. And the book is available now. It's out. It's in all good bookshops. It's on Amazon, etc. So go and buy it and support Rachel. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much.